Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Welcome to ID Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We are happy to share this episode with you. We're actually in the middle of a crazy, <laughs> crazy rain rain. I can hardly hear Chase and he's right next <laughs> to me. It's that loud. <laughs> we, we live in the rainforest of Costa Rica. It is the rainforest. We're coming into the dry season, but apparently it's not quite here. But we like a good rain and... Good rain is a little bit sexy. It keeps you inside. It is. And Do you have fits. a fantasy about rain? <laughs> no, I don't. But <laughs> that leads us into today's topic of sexuality and fantasy in the relationship. And we welcome Janae Palette. What a sexy name that is. <laughs> she is an intimacy educator, coach, and author of Living an Orgasmic Life. Heal Yourself and Awaken Your Pleasure. And she has a really cool story that she shares of how she was in a sexist relationship. I'll let you listen to her explain that in the 
beginning of our interview uh, that has led her to the work that she does. And we talk about understanding your fantasies, sharing them with your partners, among many other things. And, and as you can imagine, this is going to greatly improve the intimacy in relationship, your sex life, and uh, you are just going to be better off for it. And uh, toward the beginning of the interview, we talk about how important it is to just start and open up the communication about your sex life. And we actually did an entire episode on how to communicate around sex. And that was episode 131 with Lori Watson. So we really uh, encourage you guys to check out that episode as well if you haven't already. And there's also a free guide that goes along with uh, the episode to help you and your partner uh, talk about those common challenges. Yeah, it is a great show. I really enjoyed it. I asked some questions. Uh, they were for a friend, but about <laughs> about threesomes. And, They're always about a friend, and, right? Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. I was asking for a friend. But uh, give it a listen and share it with your friends. Maybe not your family. I don't know if you want to share the sexual fantasies episode <laughs> with your mom. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of the other episodes you can share with your mom. Maybe not this one. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Janae. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Sarah. I'm super happy to be here and excited. Janae, we like to start the show with having you tell us and our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Oh, that's such a great question. So, um, I first of all, I think relationships and intimacy and good sex is is the key to a really happy and healthy and long life. And actually, there's a lot of data that backs that up. But um, I'm really passionate about this because I know very much firsthand what it's like not to have a good relationship and not to have a good sex life because I was um, married for over 25 years, and I was pretty much in a sexless relationship. And um, it had, you know, a huge impact on me. I was very sexually shut down, and um, it took me a very long time to be able to realize that this was actually something that I wanted to have in my life. And once I started healing my own wounds, and it was my own wounds around sex, my life changed so dramatically just in every aspect of it. I I was a lawyer. I left the practice of law. I left New York in the East Coast. I moved to the West Coast. I created a, a brand new business. And, you know, it was just very, very powerful. And I realized how much I had missed out on, you know, in those 26 years, how much pleasure I had missed out on, how much connection I had miss, missed out on. Um, and I really don't want anyone to have to repeat that pattern that I went through. And, you know, honestly, I didn't know that there was help at the time that there was, and I doubt there really was that type of help, you know, that many years ago, um, like the type of work that we do now. So that's why I do what I do. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And, you know, better late than never. So <laughs> you're doing it now. And through your work, you're helping people maybe prevent that. And that's why we're excited to talk to you today. And we're certainly going to dive into talking about sex and fantasizing in particular. But I want to ask you, for someone that's listening that might find themselves in a sexless marriage or relationship or close to it, or they feel like they're just not being true to themselves in regards to their sexuality. Is there any advice you can give them for bringing that up with their partner or addressing it uh, individually? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just really important to realize what's 
what's happening and trying to have some sort of communication with your partner. And it's not always easy because, you know, this could be opening up a Pandora's box. A lot of people are like, I don't want to go down that road. We might end up getting divorced if we go down that road. And that may happen, but it also may happen that it will open up a conversation because chances are if your needs aren't getting met, your partner's needs aren't getting met either. And everybody is suffering. So figuring out how to communicate and if you can't, you know, do it with your partner by yourself, then absolutely reaching out to a sex therapist or a sex coach or somebody who can really help facilitate the conversation can be very, very helpful and do it sooner rather than later, <laughs> as you said. Yeah, yeah. And just taking that step and it can be scary that that step addressing anything in a relationship, but certainly sexuality. And we talk about a lot of tools for communication, not being blaming, using I statements, not you statements. But really within all that is just doing it because you deserve it and, right. and you deserve to not have to go through uh, life in a mediocre way. And, and it can be right. very intimidating to do that, but I just encourage listeners. It might be hard and when you're in it, but in the end it's going to be worth it. And so, um, you know, good on you for, for doing that step and, and now helping people through it. And, Along these lines, uh, we're talking about communication and we want to zero in and talk about fantasizing and and sexuality in the relationship. So why don't we start with talking about fantasizing and how it fits into a, an individual and, and then into the relationship. And we'll talk about healthy ways to do that and all sorts of different things uh, that we can fit into to one podcast. So how prevalent should fantasizing be in our relationship and, and when can it become unhealthy? Okay. So this is such a great topic. I'm so glad we're talking about it. So, you know, fantasy is a really important part of our sexuality and a lot of people have, especially women, tend to have a hard time being able to be okay with it, understanding it, actually wanting to go there for a variety of different reasons. Often it's because if I'm fantasizing about somebody other than my partner, I feel like I'm cheating on them. I hear that all the time. And, you know, so our sexuality is complex, right? And it's multi-layered. But fantasy is this window into what we actually really want. And what I want to say about this is it's not always the actual fantasy that we want, the actual experience that we want, but our fantasy helps us understand the emotion that we really want to go to for sex. And so, you know, under, like being okay with fantasy and accepting it and not only accepting it, but like embracing it is very, very freeing. And it's also very educational about what it is that you really want to have in your sex life. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and do you, can you go over briefly, like what exactly fantasizing looks like in a relationship? Well, I mean... It varies, right? There are some people who really focus on fantasizing during masturbation, right? That's a very common time when uh, people are fantasizing. If they're, if you know, if they're not watching porn, which is kind of hard to fantasize and watch porn at the same time, so often fantasy shows up during masturbation. Um, sometimes fantasy happens while you're actually having sex with your partner. You're actually thinking about, you know, something other than what you're actually doing. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, in my opinion, anything that allows you to get aroused and get excited, and, it, and it's different things for different people. Some people are more touch-focused. Some people are more, like, fantasy-focused. There's actually some people that are more, like, role-play-focused, right? So we all have these different styles, and I think whatever style works for you and helps you get to your arousal is totally appropriate and something that 
you know, you should be able to embrace. That being said, like I said, there's a lot of, um, I think there's some shame, not some shame. I think there's probably a lot of shame around some of the fantasies that people have because many people think that their fantasies are weird. You know, they're like, they're not vanilla sex. (laughs) There's something other than vanilla sex. So they're weird and maybe there's something wrong with them. And that's a very common like shame experience that people have. But um, do you guys know Justin Lee Miller and his work? He's a, he's a sex researcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know where he is in the United States though, at one of the universities. And he just came out with this really interesting book can't remember the title, but it's about desire. Um, But essentially, he interviewed anonymously 4,000 people about their fantasies. And then he wrote a book about it. And the results were just absolutely fascinating. And one of the things, one of the big, you know, primary results that he found was that a lot of people are having like the same kind of fantasy that they think is weird or super kinky, but everybody's having it. It's really interesting. <laughs> Do you remember like the examples? Was there anything in particular? That stood out? Yeah, yeah. So so here's some of the most common fantasies that uh, people are having. People are having fantasies about threesomes, right? Two men and two women, two women, two men, whatever it is. They're having a lot of fantasies around group sex. Um, and they're having, and this doesn't surprise me at all, a lot of fantasies around BDSM and kink, right? That Those were like the three, I haven't read the book, but those were those three top um, fantasies that he identified. He found that, not surprisingly, women fantasize more about having same sex, you know, with another woman. Men don't. Men have more fantasies about having sex with multiple women. So, yeah, it was really... It was, it's really interesting. And, you know, he, I think what it says is like, we need to de-shamify, right? This, what we consider to be abnormal is actually really normal for a lot of different reasons, right? There's a, there's a sense of, I want a little bit of variety, you know, especially if you're in a long-term relationship and fantasy helps us get there. Um, And, you know, fantasy also helps us often work through um, core wounds that we have. That's another way in which fantasy really comes into play in a very healthy way as well. And, and I think you see that in people wanting more of the BDSM or the bondage piece, you know, especially if you think about, um, I'll give you me as an example, right? So like I was super independent as a child and I also felt like I wasn't very seen and visible. And so somebody with that kind of wound, right? being involved in a BDSM scene where I'm submissive and I'm really visible and I'm seen is very reparative to some of the early experiences that we have. And that's a part, that's an important part that fantasy plays in our sexuality as well. Sexuality is fascinating. And in, in the example you just gave and, and how it can manifest itself. And certainly there's how, how we're raised as a child and the relationships we have both sexually and within the family, but then culturally, and you touched on it a little with the shame and there is historically um, and currently so much shame around sexuality. So that's certainly playing into the idea when people are having these fantasies uh, that uh, it's wrong and I should only think about my partner. And it's really sad that we've repressed sexuality so much and that people can feel that shame even internally um, within themselves and let alone sharing it with their partner. And that kind of leads me to a question of how we can examine our own fantasies and and not feel that shame, maybe some exercises, and then sharing those with our partner um, as a way to strengthen the relationship? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a number of different exercises from various books that I will do with uh, some of my clients where, you know, we, we really look specifically at 
you know, are either a fantasy that we have or a peak sexual experience that we've had. Often a peak sexual experience has some element of this same thing that we're fantasizing about. And we really take a deep dive. And and what we're looking for is not so much the setting, but we're looking for the emotion, the feeling that was the real huge turn on for us. Right. So that's what we constantly want to find out. Like, so for example, if a threesome is, you know, what your big fantasy is, right? What's the feeling that you want? Is it that you're feeling adored or is it that you're feeling like, um, you know, like Superman, you know, <laughs> right? Like, are you feeling worship? You're feeling really desired. So we really want to look at the emotions that we go to in fantasy and the emotions that we go to in our peak sexual experiences, meaning like either the best sexual experience you've ever had or, or a fantasy, something that you want to have. Um, and then once we identify that emotion, then we can start to say, well, let's say my emotion is that, you know, well, let's take mine, for example, that I want to be, um, I want to be visible, right? That's something that I felt invisible as a child. So how do I get to experience that piece of it with a partner? And sometimes we can play out in actual fantasy, but, you know, very often we don't want to play out a fantasy, right? We, we That may just be like, you know, I have a I have a fantasy that I think of all the time, but it's like I don't actually think I want to play that out in public. <laughs> you know, it's okay just for it to be in my fantasy, but the emotion that I want to be visible, to be seen, I can have that piece of it and translate that into my sex life with a partner or partners, right? So it's it's really understanding what that underlying emotion is around your fantasy that will make a big difference. That is a important thing to think about and, and really be introspective and not just the surface level of, oh, I want to have a threesome. Like there's a deeper meaning uh, under there and, and finding that out and then sharing it with your partner. Right. Um, I think that's going to be a key step rather than, keeping it to yourself, definitely examining it for yourself. But then shouldn't we be sharing these with our partner um, in a way that is not threatening? Like how can certainly I imagine a lot of men, like you mentioned, might fantasize about a threesome, but then when they tell their partner, they could feel like, well, what am I not good enough or this or that? How can we navigate that situation? Yeah, I mean, you know, carefully and with a lot of compassion and, you know, facilitated well, um, men that, you know, fantasize about a threesome, you know, need to understand, like, what is it that I want? Well, maybe it is that I just, I really need to feel desired or I really need to feel like I'm super capable. So how can I like how within it, how within this relationship can we create you know our own little scene if you will that's what we often call fantasies right our own little scene where you my partner are really desiring me and I'm getting that need that I want so you can you can create what you want you know within the boundaries that work for each of you but also you may be surprised. Right. There are a lot of women who fantasize about having a being with another woman as well. Right. So you may be surprised that your partner says, oh, I actually, you know, that's something I might be interested in and open to. You never know. Or with another man. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you not you're not going to know unless you start to, you know, have that conversation. Uh, and you can also, you know, sometimes you can, you know, play a game, make it game, like that's supposed to be fun, right? So kind of like make it fun, you know, maybe you each get to like write down, these are three of my fantasies and, and the other partner writes down, these are three of my fantasies and you get to just like exchange pieces of paper and see where you're at. You know, <laughs> maybe you don't talk about it, maybe you just read about it and then it starts 
a little bit of um, a communication. And there's there are games and there's apps, I can't recall the name of it, that actually um, allows you, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, an online matching program where you sort of identify these are the things that I'd be willing to do or I'm interested in. These are the things I'd be willing to do. And then the program just shares with both partners only the places where you match, like, you know, matching on OkCupid or something, which, again, provides an opening, an opportunity to be able to, to, be able to see, oh, these are places where we can come together and we can create some sort of scene or fantasy that works for both of us. It does involve communication, conversation. I love those examples. Um, I think if we could, if you find out what they are, let us know uh, what their names are and then we can add them to the show notes uh, for our listeners to check those out because I think that would be an awesome resource. And just from a personal note for our listeners, before Chase and I had these open conversations about sex, like I'm speaking for myself, like it was scary because like you said earlier, it can be opening a Pandora's box and you don't know... You don't know what's going to happen. But after you have those conversations, you just feel so much more connected and closer to your partner. So I really encourage our listeners to, even if it's just starting small, just to have those conversations uh, to open up and and you won't regret it because it will strengthen your relationship. Definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. I I agree with that a hundred percent. We, you know, Fantasy allows us to get our needs met. And I think so. part of the reason people struggle so much around their sexuality is that their needs are actually not getting met, right? They're not really getting what they want out of sex. And it may not just be touch. It, it's actually the whole experience, right? It's the emotions underneath it. And when we can look at our fantasies and explore that, then we get to really say, oh, this is my need. This is what I want. How can you help me get this? And how can I help you get what you need as well? Powerful. So at what point does fantasy turn to reality? Let's explore that a little bit where we can certainly talk about, let's say, role play with our partner and then play that out. Um, But where along the line do... Is that just open communication? And then let's say it's a threesome... And how does that manifest itself? Today's episode is brought to you by StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share stories and memories for years to come. When you give a loved one a subscription to StoryWorth, StoryWorth sends them weekly emails with story prompts and questions that you would never think to ask. By the end of the year, StoryWorth combines all the wonderful stories into a beautiful hardcover book. It's a perfect gift to help strengthen your family bonds and get to know your loved ones in a whole new way. This year, we've decided to give StoryWorth to my mom, and I'm so excited to hear all the family stories and memories that I know Stella is going to love. And especially because you can add photos to your book, this will be probably Stella's favorite nighttime storybook for many years to come. And with us being in Costa Rica and the rest of our family scattered all over the U.S., it's a great way to learn more about our family and feel more connected. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash I do when you subscribe. Give the gift that will be cherished for a lifetime. Visit Storyworth. S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash I do for $20 off. Um, well, I think uh, a fantasy manifests itself into reality if it's, you know, another person or other persons are involved in it with um, conversations between the, you know, the primary two partners and then, you know, figuring out out who else they want to be involved in the scene and having a lot of conversations about agreements, what is okay, what's off limits, what are boundaries. You know, we're, we're kind of talking, I mean, and now, now we're talking about like setting agreements for monogamous or play relationships, right. In, in the threesome <laughs> sort of, um, sort of world. 
um, and a constant, you know, checking, checking in with each other. So that, that's a whole, that's a whole more complicated world, right. Of making sure that feelings aren't hurt and there aren't jealousies and that everybody feels safe in the context of, um, a fantasy where more than one person is involved. Um, but let's say the fantasy is I want to have sex in public. Well, a lot of people have that fantasy. I want to have sex in public, right? And then, you know, it's the same thing of like, how are we going to do it? Where are we going to do it? You know, what's the setting going to be like? What is our stop word? Like, at what point will we decide we're not going to do this, right? So it's really having, you know, it's when you when you go into this kind of play world of fantasy or scene work, like you you're actually creating the the elements that you want to take into um, into reality, and you know it may work out great, <laughs> and it may not. And that's also an opportunity to learn about what you liked and what you didn't like. And, you know, whether there's a point where this fantasy is starting, where all of a sudden you feel like, oh, my God, I can't actually do this. And it's okay to have a stop word and say, like, no, you know, that's actually not going to work for me. Um, And that's part of the experimenting with fantasy, because not every not every fantasy wants to come to life. (laughs) What do you do if one partner really wants to pursue a fantasy and the other partner is like, no, that's not my cup of tea. I, I'm not all for it. Yeah. Um, well, it depends on the relationship, right? Um, if there's a, if, if this is a relationship where there's a lot of openness and um, there's agreements, right. Then maybe this partner can go have that part, that fantasy play out with somebody else. Right. If there's, if, for example, if we're talking about a non in, in a non-monogamous relationship um, and if it's a different type of fantasy and the other partner can't do it, then, you know, you've got to process disappointment. Mm. <laughs> 20% of relationships is about disappointment. We're not always going to get, you know, our, our needs met. But again, I think I would look at that fantasy and I would say, okay, I know that you want to have sex in public in the middle of the parking lot, just to say, you know, I'm not okay having sex in public in the middle of the parking lot, but maybe I'd be okay having sex on the balcony in our backyard, right? So, you know, you either process a disappointment, I'm sorry, you're not going to get your fantasy met, and it's okay you know, and the way you process it is to say, you know, not to shame the person, right? This is the important thing, not to shame them, but to say, like, to celebrate it. Like, wow, I can really see that sounds like an amazing fantasy. And I can see how excited that would make you. And, you know, that you really want to have that. And I really, really wish I could give that to you, but I can't. But I want you to enjoy it in your fantasy. So a lot of it is how you react to your partner whether you react shaming or feel you totally shut down or you react with compassion and excitement that they get to have this fantasy in their head that you can't participate in, but allowing them to really celebrate it and helping celebrate it with them. And so much of this can be about just being heard and and communicating your deepest desires, like feeling comfortable doing that. And then, having your partner validate those feelings. I feel like so many times when it comes to a lot of things, but certainly sexuality, these feelings are repressed because of the shame around them or a number of different things. And it can be quite liberating sharing it with your partner as, as it seems like, yeah, of course you should be doing that. But I know personally, Sarah and I didn't do that till much later in our relationship And uh, obviously, you know, you don't want to be doing it on the first date (laughs) necessarily, but it took us, we were in a committed relationship for a while and it took us a while to actually uh, commit to that and sharing those feelings. So, and it can be quite liberating. Definitely. Um, And I think that's, you know, exactly it, like being seen and, and hearing that letting your partner hear your desires, even if you can't meet them is very, very powerful. Um, And it also makes sense that for some couples who are really struggling with sexuality, 
sometimes, you know, I'll go right to say, well, we're going to, you know, maybe three or four sessions and we'll start talking about fantasy because I just have a sense that nobody's getting their needs met. Right. And sometimes, you know, we've got to work through layers and layers of shame and a lot of emotional baggage, which is often what's underlying couples not having good sex. Um, before we can even start to touch into that, because if you're feeling resentment for that person, the last thing you want to do is let their have them <laughs> have their desires be met. So I totally, um, yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think it's important. And you know, like one thing that's really fun, a nice way to handle it is even if you can't meet your partner with their desires, you could you could like talk it through with them. You know, you could ask them questions. You can you can almost be on the fantasy with them in your just verbally, right? And verbally being on the fantasy with them can also be a very powerful and cathartic experience for a couple. Is there anything negative about fantasizing or anything our listeners should look out for if um, fantasizing becomes too much in the relationship? If that's even possible? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great question. And 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 I think it can be like anything. If it starts to overwhelm your life, right? If you start to like fantasize so much that you can't focus on your job and you can't focus on your kids and you can't focus on your relationship, then it's something that you need to go get some support around. Um, so I do think that, you know, there can be too much fantasy, just like I think there can be too much masturbation or too much watching of porn when it actually starts to overwhelm your life. Then we're like, okay, there's something else going on here. Um, and, and you need to go, you know, get see a therapist or a sex therapist and really try to understand what's going on. So I would say, yes, if it starts overwhelming, then it's something to really look at. So you mentioned earlier, uh, as part of an option for pursuing a fantasy if your partner is not interested is a non-monogamous relationship um, status. And that seems to be becoming more and more popular as a thing, maybe only because information is more widely available <laughs> through podcasts and books that that's being talked about. But it is a fairly large and it seems to be growing segment of the population that and again, I mean, we're talking, I think I've, it was like 5% is the figure I saw. So it's still quite small. But how have you seen that play out in maybe people that you've worked with and as a another way to be in relationship uh, that is of being in a open or a non-monogamous relationship? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because you see how many people fantasize about bringing other people into their relationship, right? That's one of the most fascinating things. And there's this whole big, you know, there's a lot of uh, discussion about have are, are we born to be monogamous or are we born to be non-monogamous? Um, and, you know, non-monogamy can definitely work for certain people. I mean, I have been in non-monogamous long-term relationships for a period of time. And then I decided, okay, I think I want to go back to monogamy. Um, and they are, they're not for everyone. I will say that, right. They're definitely not for everyone. Um, I think they are for, you know, people who have um, a high tolerance for uncertainty are able to really work through jealousy uh, my experience, my own personal experience as somebody like me who has very, very deep abandonment wounds is not really, does not feel safe in a non-monogamous non relationship, even when I was the primary partner, because I was always just expecting that my partner was going to abandon me for another woman, right? That being said, there are a lot of, there are people that have a lot of success with it. It, you know, it, it involves like an incredible amount of good communication. So that is key. You have to have incredibly good communication skills. It's one of the things I really like about the open relationship, the poly um, community is that, that people in that community have excellent communication skills. Um, and there has to be complete transparency. And that doesn't always happen, you know, even in open relationships, people cheat on their partners, right? You do see that. 
Um, but there really needs to be a tremendous amount of transparency and, you know, everybody like checking in with each other on a constant basis. It is a lot of work. So if you think it's a lot of work to be in one relationship, it's a lot of work to be in like four relationships, right? Because you're not only in relationship with like another person that you bring in, but what about their lovers? They're called um, paramours. Like what about their lovers as well, right? So it's it's complicated, um, but it it can be for I have I have worked with couples who have been in long term monogamous relationships who really were not that happy opened up their relationships and, you know, it really has been very successful for them because they feel that they go outside of the relationship. They get the novelty that they need. A lot of people like that. Um, They get juiced up and they come back into the relationship and they feel more connected and more in love uh, with their partner. So, you know, it it can work and it takes a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just interesting because I have only come into knowing about that in the last few years as as even a thing, and <laughs> and it's fascinating because, like you said, it requires almost a better level of communication and knowing yourself and everything than if you're in a monogamous relationship. And I think it's easy culturally we're we're taught that it's you know monogamy and, and nothing else but the reality is that a, a lot of relationships and a lot of people are serially monogamous so they're in a monogamous relationship for a year two years three years and then in another one so it's like are you really in a lifetime monogamous relationship the answer is no and you know the divorce rate is so high so looking at alternative right. ways to be in relationship is is something that I think is becoming more acceptable culturally and with the information out there. And it's just, even if it's within the realm of fantasizing, it, you could say that that's, it's like a form of non-monogamy. Like if you're openly fantasizing with your partner about other people and you're communicating that. And I mean, there's a, a certain amount of people that would be like, no, you can't do that. That's cheating if you're thinking about someone else, which is kind of crazy. And and I think that's the, right. the common narrative that we're taught is like, till death do you part and don't even look at another person or think about another person. And more and more, I think we're realizing and understanding as a culture and society and through research that that is not really what works. I mean, it might work for some people, but there's different forms. So I think understanding that even if it's just exploring your fantasies can be extremely valuable on a personal and a relationship uh, basis. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I completely agree. agree. And, you know, like, you know, so, so many people are in like, quote, non-monogamous relationships, monogamous, non-monogamous relationships because they're having affairs. So they're basically in non-monogamous relationships, but there's just no transparency around it, right? That's another huge piece of where this monogamy, non-monogamy piece um, actually um, shows up. And yeah, I think um, that's that's where it shows up for the people that feel like they're supposed to only be in a relationship. And I love what you said about being a serial monogamous, right? <laughs> you still need the variety. After a couple of years, you get bored and you need to go, you know, look for somebody else, right? And it, it is, um, yeah, it's really fascinating. I think people are, are, are having, in some, in some parts of our culture, not all, but, you know, people are definitely having, they they have a lot more leeway to kind of create the relationship that they want. They don't necessarily have to get married, but they can have kids, right? Like it's really fascinating the way the whole you know relationships are are changing very dramatically, actually. Yeah, and I think a, a huge part of that is just the availability of information. You know, the internet, obviously, but podcasting is actually how I came to find out about um, different relationship. Uh, compartments, you know, non-monogamous relationship styles and continue to learn um, because it's interesting to yeah. me. And, and I think that's how you grow individually and in a relationship as by keeping your mind open 
to different things and, and understanding that there's no one right or wrong way uh, to do it um, in, in your relationship or in life in general. Like we live in Costa Rica. There's a lot of people that think that that's crazy. And, and, <laughs> and it's, and, you know, you're taught a certain thing, you know, go to college, get a job, get married, have kids, picket fence, you know, around your house. And, and that's your life. And more and more, we're learning that that's not the way it has to be. So this is just another interesting uh, avenue. And you've given us and our listeners some great things to think about in in regards to our fantasies and sharing them. And I really encourage our listeners to just start there. Explore your own fantasies. Like you said, write down your three fantasies with your partner and share them. Like that's a great place to start. Guaranteed, you guys are going to feel closer and more intimate. And Janae, before we wrap up, I just want to ask you if uh, there's any other things that are important that we left out. And also among your many certifications and qualifications, one of them is um, that you are a sexological body worker. So can you tell us what that is? And, And then we'll wrap up. Sure, absolutely. Oh, there's so much to talk about. We could be talking for hours, know, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I think I think my last words to to, to to your listeners are, you know, like um, just go do it. You know, like let try to let go of the of the inhibitions. Try to let go of the shame. Realize that that's not yours. Most of the shame that we have around our sexuality is not ours. It was actually something that was taught to us by our parents or by society. And kind of when we have come to that realization, we, we kind of can let go of it. And it's like, oh, that's actually not my set of beliefs. Great. Let me figure out what my own belief set are. So I think that's really important. Um, sexological body work is um, a, a form of body work that is really focused on helping people get in touch with their desires and their pleasures um, through touch. And sexological body workers have uh, special training. We get trained in anatomy and physiology, um, around arousal and sex, and we really help our clients get into their body, focus on sensation in their body, understand their arousal pattern, what they actually need, what they actually want through um, touch, which is can also be intimate touch in the state of California. And over in Europe, uh, sexological bodies, body workers are allowed to do intimate um, genital touch. It can be um, a very powerful experience. I often will do sexological body work with women who have a hard time feeling any sort of um, sensation in their vagina and can't orgasm. And very often, I have a lot of trauma training, so I I tend to work with a lot of people with trauma, but very often this has happened because of some sort of trauma, sexual abuse, or something else. Um, And it, it can be a very powerful and safe place for women to learn how to be in their body, how to feel sensation, how to track sensation, how to begin to feel arousal and what that actually feels like, what an orgasm might feel like. So um, it's a very powerful, beautiful, sacred, really, relationship with um, clients that sexological body workers create. That's fascinating and, and important work. It sounds like you're able to make some great breakthroughs. So how can people uh, find a sexological body worker? And is it, I know you said California has certain laws, uh, it seems like, or in Europe, but is it available outside of California? To, and how can they find? Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there are sexological body workers throughout the country. They can go to, uh, I think it's, a, the, it's ACSB. It's the, if you, if you just Google sexological body work, it's like the American Association of, of Certified Sexological Body Workers, and then there's a directory. Um, and there are people outside of California. There are a lot of people in Europe, and um, there are people not in California who do the work, and they just risk, you know, any sort of problem with their license. Um, 
but there, there, they are definitely um, there are sexological body workers around the country and definitely um, around the world as well. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you online before we wrap up? Oh, sure. Um, uh, I have a website. It's called uh, thepowerofpleasure.com. So you can find me there. Um, I, can I just say one thing also that I have a new book that just came out, um, which is called Living an Orgasmic Life, Heal Yourself and Awaken Your Pleasure. I spend a fair amount of time talking about fantasy in that book as well. Um, and you can find that on my app website or on Amazon with powerofpleasure.com. Excellent. Well, we'll link to your book and your website on our show notes page at idpodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to uh, find out more information about you or your resources. And we really appreciate you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam. And you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com